Listeners, welcome back to the Business of Wellness. I am your host, Jacqueline London, and today's guest is Julie Albin. She is currently the Senior Vice President of Content for The Skim. I had the most amazing content content. I had the most amazing conversation with Julie. I absolutely loved chatting with her. We really got into the details on the latest health survey that the skim recently put out, uh, really looking at the state of women's health. What are currently the concerns among American women today, right now in 2023, in a post-pandemic world? What are some of the craziest and most unfortunate experiences that women have had over the last few years? What are some of the best experiences? What's working? What's not? How are women navigating our current healthcare system? We get into all of it. It was fascinating. I absolutely loved chatting with Julie, and I know you're going to love this too. So as always, Let me know what you think by leaving a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this right now. And as always, please feel free to find me, get in touch. I would love to hear from you on any and all social media platforms at Jacqueline London RD and at Jacqueline London on TikTok. I'll see you soon. Julie, welcome to the Business of Wellness. Thank you so much for being here. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to have you. I'm thrilled to see you on this terribly rainy day. Is it raining? Are you in New York? Is it raining for you? No, I'm in Detroit right now and it is cloudy, but not raining. It's pouring rain here. Today. But I know my brother-in-law and sister-in-law have been sending me photos of like the flooded. They're like trapped in Penn Station right now. Like can't get to Brooklyn because they're like underwater. No. Scary. Hurricane it's Sandy flashbacks. Good. It really is. And also mm-hmm. I feel like it's just been so rainy for the last few weeks, honestly, which. Yes. I'm pain. somebody who, when people celebrate like the end of summer and the onset yeah. of fall, I'm like, let's not pretend that fall is perfect. This is what fall is perfect. like. It's not perfect. <laughs> not I mean, I know that like the cities get so swampy and gross in the summer, but like. Well, I've taken it any day. I'm any day. Any day. Any day. Anyway, so what, so you, do you live in Detroit full-time? So I am personally based in Detroit, Yeah. professionally based in New York, um, was in New York for basically my whole adult life until wow. the pandemic hit Wow. and then um, came back to Detroit for what was supposed to be just the summer. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I got pregnant. The grandparents are here. This is where my husband and I are yeah. both from originally. Um, oh. So we were kind of hunkered down here during the height of the pandemic and now, um, you know, still based in New York for work. So they're very regularly um, maybe too much as my coworkers who are on the call can attest. They're like, get out of here. <laughs> they're like, come on, what are you doing here? Go yeah. Back. They're like, we're a largely remote, like workforce. Like you don't need to be here all the time. And I'm like, I do though. It's my, it's my home. It's my natural I know. habitat. So I, I have know. a good like hybrid thing going. Love that. Love yes. that. All right. Which so means we I am to... not underwater with the flooding this weekend, Which but I will be nice. You week. are really lucking out and hopefully you're getting some cherries. Oh yeah, you know our, right? our main right? produce export. Yes, cherry capital <laughs> of know. like the world or something. It's a requirement of the job. Yeah, that's <laughs> you did your research. The territory. You did your research. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's back up a second. So tell us about you. Tell us about your role at the skim and when you started and how you got there and basically and your your astrological chart just tell astro- us I can't even the answer start- that honestly I'm not big into astrology <laughs> I can tell you what my Myers-Briggs person is if you want to perfect get we'll, we'll get to that yeah weave that <laughs> in if you can <laughs> okay perfect I will um as I'm answering questions I'll be like and as you can tell yes I'm a neurotic <laughs> extrovert um 
So I've been at the skim for two years. I'm the SVP of content. So overseeing the editorial teams, which comprises um, our newsletter on site content, um, our social video teams, which is, you know, everything on our Instagram, TikTok, threads, other channels, and then also overseeing our comms and brand marketing functions. So just a small, really, just a very small couple things, <laughs> just a couple things, totally got it all under control. Right. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, just all of the kind of content that we're putting out into the world, figuring out how we are positioning ourselves to best serve our audience, to best serve growth, um, working closely with our sales teams. Obviously, revenue partners are a big part of our business. Um, and then overseeing how we kind of talk about our brand out in the world, whether that's through our comms and PR functions or whether that's through larger brand campaigns that might be more editorial in nature. Election 2024 is something we're thinking about right now. Um, but also we have big campaigns at the skim around show us your leave and show us your childcare, which are two um, cool. big focuses of ours over the past year about really advocating for um, women to get the support they need from their workplaces when there isn't paid family leave, um, paid, paid childcare benefits, et cetera. So um, yeah, all of that, the day-to-day -day stuff, what goes out in the daily skim every day. I'm not super close to it, but it just generally sits under my um, purview. And then the sort of like big brand moments about things that are really meaningful to us and our audience um, as far as helping this generation of women make sense of a challenging world. Wow. That's not, I can't help but laugh a little bit because it's a very big job. That sounds quite enormous, but also really amazing. Tell me, tell me one thing, because I feel a little less up to date on this. I was a diehard, like day one mm -hmm. daily skim subscriber. Mm -hmm. I would imagine you probably have a similar, I, I don't, I don't want to assume anything, but I, I feel like at some point I outgrew the, the tone the sort of like the content mm -hmm. direction that I, I feel like that maybe because you weren't there yet, that could be one. <laughs> um, but the other thing is like, I, I wonder if I am alone in that, right? Like that people, I, I'm an elder, elderly millennial, Same. That, <laughs> right? That like, that like we maybe came up with the mm -hmm. skin we were for sort of first starting our careers and yep. then perhaps felt like it, it phased out. And now mm -hmm. I'm like, is this for me? Like, should I go back to, should I become a the answer is yes. Of We'd course. love to have you. Okay, good. Um, yeah. You know, I, I hear from a lot of people that have a similar sort of history yeah. with the skim. Um, the company launched in 2012, mm -hmm. uh, with its daily newsletter, you know, focused just on breaking down news and politics for an audience that didn't feel super fluent in those things and wanted to just be able to participate in the conversation and make decisions, um, understand how the news impacted her life. Um, I think that honestly, like we have, largely been a nonpartisan organization. We certainly report on what's going on in the news in a very um, unbiased way, but a direct way. So, you know, we have been very clear about the fact that reproductive rights have been stripped back from women in the US, et cetera, et cetera. But we are not the type of organization that's going to do a lot of opinion, that's going to tell you exactly who to vote for, that's going to really get in the like, you know, 
in fighting across different sides of the aisle. And I think that, and I I honestly might've felt some appetite for this as well, but in 2016, when Donald Trump was elected, I think there was a lot more appetite from the same women who had signed up for the scheme in 2012 to be like, I want the rage. Like I want, you know, the Jezebel. I want the Refinery29, which is where I was prior to the skim. I want the MSNBC. And we have been a brand that's been committed to not doing that sort of editorializing. And so I think a lot of people phased out a bit around 2016. But also, you know, we adapted the way that we approached the news in 2016 as well, because there was a lot of misinformation circulating within that organization. It was no longer like, here's what one side of the aisle says, here's what the other side of the aisle says, like make up your own mind. We were very clear about where the facts were coming from, where misinformation was coming from. So I think our audience um, maybe was looking for something else around that time. But I think that given the way news and politics changed around that time, um, our approach to covering it did as well. And we're still committed to being nonpartisan, but I think our approach is is different. Um than it was before. So, um, but there are all sorts of other reasons to come back to us as well. We, um, have launched new (laughs) categories, parenting, money, wellness. We have podcasts, we have social channels. We're very different brand, um, as far as tone, as far as coverage areas, as far as approach, um, than we used to be. And I think we've matured a lot, um, in a way that really serves our audience. Well, it's just so interesting because I think, I mean, there's two, there's two things I want to say to everything you just said. One of them is that it just, it's so interesting because it's funny that I would even assume that the tone or that the the sort of manner of the writing style, the content style um, would even stay the same when the founders themselves also aged out of that, right? Like, I mean, everyone right, right. would have been there from the beginning. I mean, it's just like a silly mm-hmm. kind of thought. Now that I think about it, I'm like, why am I well, even- no, I mean, is it, everyone- it is a very specific, <laughs> was a very specific tone of voice. We still right. have a very distinct tone of voice, but certainly different than the one when you probably first subscribed. And, right. you know, I think looking back at any organization that's 10 years old, like sometimes yeah. it's almost unrecognizable. Obviously our main product is the same and we're committed yeah. to the same thing, which is- cutting through the noise on complicated topics. And we've long been doing that for the daily skim and now do it in all sorts of these other categories. That core product still serves the same mission. Um, but certainly our approach has adapted as the internet has changed and the way people consume content has changed. And as the sort of news environment we're operating in has changed. Um, so yeah. I yeah. think you should, I think you should come back. I'm coming back. I mean, I'm sold. Listen, I'm a skipper I'm again. Right. <laughs> Great. Great. I'm ready. So, okay. So tell me something about this because we really need to, I need to, to borrow a phrase to double click. I kind of hate that phrase, but I'll go with it anyway. I need to double click on, on what you just said there, which is the the change that has happened with the media landscape. Can we talk more about that? So starting, let's even just say starting in 2016. And, and I, and I do want to go back to something else that you said in, in the process of even asking you this question, which is that I really do. I feel like it, there is such a need for nonpartisan information, just facts. And I know Mm -hmm. how hard that can be also. And I know even in my own industry, like I think about this all the time is that something that is a fact to me as a dietitian, when I'm looking at a scientific, at at a body of science, at the preponderance of evidence on something, Mm -hmm. I can still see that this may not necessarily be quote unquote, someone else's definition of fact, right? Mm -hmm. Like I can still see that. So it's very hard. Like I really understand and see that challenge so much. So Mm -hmm. a kudos to you on that. And, and I wonder how, how you guys navigate that and how you navigate sourcing, um, 
sourcing information. And then also let, let's get into the change. Let's talk about all the things that have changed in media. At yeah. One. Yeah. I mean, I obviously our approach to information, our approach to the truth has changed yeah. enormously yeah. over yeah. the past 10 years. I think this is due to the proliferation of social media channels. It's due the, to the plural proliferation i shouldn't use this hard word proliferation of influencers in various spaces of people who are just trying to build audiences that don't necessarily have any regard for the truth and audiences Mm. that are not trained in how to spot these things and therefore that drives virality of things that are bullshit frankly totally um and you also have obviously like in the news media landscape And in the political landscape, there is less commitment to telling the truth from our politicians, from our news channels, et cetera. So you have like the main sources of information, social media and like old school news media and government that just have a totally different relationship to the truth than they used to have. And here we are as like lay people who are not trained in fact checking, who are not trained in medical research, who are not trained in journalistic best practices who are just like, I mean, like you and I might be trained in those things, but like the general audience um, is left to just like make up their own mind on a hunch. Like it's extremely dangerous. And then obviously you add, you know, platforms like Facebook, for example, that were not particularly strident about weeding out that misinformation. Um, Certain other platforms have gotten more so, obviously, like Twitter started fact-checking or X as we call it now, but it was definitely under Twitter, not under X, that they started fact-checking and implementing these sort of um, checks and balances. But it's really like the Wild West. So the way that we navigate it is just by having really strict guidelines around the types of media organizations that we source or aggregate information from, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously, whether that is the Associated Press, whether that is the New York Times, whether that is CNBC, et cetera, et cetera, like making sure that our sources are ones that are trusted, vetted, have really strong journalistic ethics and really strong guidelines for like what makes something a fact. Um, And then we have very specific qualifications around when we are doing our own reporting, who's considered an expert, right? Mm. So for example, in the wellness space, we consider MDs, PhDs, doctor of psychology, licensed social worker, master of social work, registered dietitian to be experts. We don't necessarily consider nutritionists or coaches who don't also have one of the above credentials to be experts. Um, So really setting forth specific guidelines around like, what kind of organizations are we sourcing from? What kind of experts are in our Rolodex? And then we have a very rigorous fact-checking process. So everything that we are putting out is like vetted within an inch of its life um, to make sure that we're subtracting from that misinformation problem, that deluge of information problem, rather than adding to it in any way. Yeah. No, it's fascinating. I mean, I I think this is getting more fat, not to, you know, put something else on your plate. (laughs) Give me a problem to solve. Right, right. Like you, you have quite a bit of that. But I, I think about like, I don't know if you've seen this person, Julie, this, this guy, doctor, quote unquote, Dr. Paul Saladino, for example. No, I'm going to, oh God, I'm going to make notes. Yes, please do. People I mean, it's really worth looking up, but not worth looking up at the same time, but he is the founder of the carnivore diet. This is a, okay. a completely lacking in all evidence, uh, um, dietary approach 
mm-hmm. may have seen it. You're eating only ruminant animals. I don't quite know what a ruminant animal is other than to say it has more than one stomach. There's just a lot, there's a lot happening there. And when I see somebody like that, I just think like I, it, it makes me feel so frustrated, just, just simply frustrated because I just mm-hmm. feel like how is someone who like if if your guideline like just to just to zero in on the wellness examples that you gave right like of the number of different credentials that you guys look for when you're sourcing experts mm-hmm. how would you necessarily know and like listen i i get i i would i can imagine that there's plenty of things that you have in place and certainly your employees must be very smart who are just like like yeah that that's a gut check like we don't need to do anything fancy we know that this person probably doesn't meet our criteria yeah what, mm-hmm. and what expertise is, but it, it scares me because when I see people out there, like there are, this guy has millions of followers, oh, right? Yeah. So, so he's calling himself a doctor, but his, his actual sourcing. And I only just recently saw one thing that Instagram had flagged that he mm-hmm. posted that was like, uh, this is questionable information mm-hmm. that goes against scientific evidence. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like it, it, that's when I feel like giving up, you know what I like? Because yeah. I'm just like, we're out here fighting the good fight, but like we can only do so much if you've got actual yep. credential experts yeah. going rogue. <laughs> right. Totally. You make a very good point. And I think that's why, like, we are hoping that <laughs> I was listening to this. This is a really random tangent, but I was listening to this daily episode yeah. on how there are always there are frequent misses in like um airplane collisions and the yes. way that they but I think I actually heard this one. Yes. It was yeah. really interesting and I'm scared now, but yeah. um, they talk about their approach as like the Swiss cheese approach. They're like, we have all of these layers. And if one of those layers fails, the next slice of cheese is going to like, if, if there's a hole in one layer, the next slice of cheese is going to catch it. Like you'll catch it somewhere along know. the way. Yeah. So my thinking going. is, <laughs> you know, first passes, is this person that either we are reporting on or another organization that we trust reporting on credentialed in such a way? Right. Does the credentialed organization or the, the sort of journalistically upstanding organization and other places vet or consider this person to be an expert or consider their claims. Then does our fact-checking process, which is going to fact-check medical claims, catch it. And so hopefully with these three layers, like nothing's going to get, like no bullshit's going to get through. Totally. The, but like you make totally. a really good point because just yeah. because somebody's an MD certainly doesn't mean that they're practicing with all the right information or making the right decisions or advancing the right ideology. Like you're, you're right. And that's very scary. It is. It's also really hard for me to personally imagine, because I just think you really have to commit to abandoning everything you've possibly ever learned in order order (laughs) to be like, well, you know, the carnivore diet guy, like big meat is like paying doctor, whatever. No, you know, he has even worse. He has his own supplement line. He currently has a smoothie at air one, which is one of my like hobby horses. It's like, what kind of BS is like being spewed from the Erwan, like the smoothie counter at Erwan. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Wait, he <laughs> has a smoothie at Erwan? Okay, you just tell me everything I need to know about exactly. this man. Exactly, with his like collagen. And his followers. Like, bovine collagen supplement and his, exactly, no, completely. And I mean, it's hard to imagine that the followers actually are frequenting a store in Los Angeles. Like that alone is hard. But then at the same mm-hmm. time, he's also sort of elevated to that level of yeah. wellness guru, which right, right. my next question really <laughs> Which from from what you've seen lately in 
the in wellness media, let's say, let's mm-hmm. go in on that vertical of the skin. Mm-hmm. From what you've seen on in wellness media, what what do you think is like what is the type of content that resonates the most with your readers? So let's start with that. Like what's what are some of the yeah. that have been best performing? All of that. So we have, well, let me give you a little bit of an overview of yes, SkimWell in general, um, which is that we launched it um, three years ago as a category in like a lighter touch way with web content, some social, and a pretty slim focus on things we knew were stressing our audience out, like fertility, health insurance, stuff like that. Um, But we've really started investing more in the category in the latter half of 2023. Sometimes I think it's already 2024. Latter half of 2023. (laughs) I relate to that well. I know. I'm like, what day is it? Um, Putting more focus on the topic with the launch of a new newsletter, um, a renewed focus on social, a TikTok series called Well Actually that actually reminds me a lot of the stuff that you do on TikTok. And we talk mm-hmm. about a lot of the same things, which is like, yeah. here's why you shouldn't drink borax. Right. And here's why you <laughs> no. shouldn't drink chlorophyll. And here's why like, you know, the adrenal cocktails are maybe not going to like save your life kind of thing. So like a very, it actually reminds me like when I was like looking through your TikTok, I was like, oh, we're like definitely on this. Yes. Right. (laughs) Um, so, and the reason we doubled down is we just found it more urgent than ever to help this audience. Like our audience is facing a health crisis on multiple fronts. They're trying to take care of themselves in a system that is just not set up to support them. They're, majorly struggling with the fallout of the pandemic in uneven ways. There's a crisis around women's reproductive rights, a crisis around maternal health, a crisis around women's mental health. They're all of these, they're all of these things working against her, all these obstacles. And there are obviously legislative and systemic changes that need to happen to get women on equal footing, but we can't wait for that. So we wanted to help give our audience agency within this broken system by giving her unbiased, direct, expert vetted information and tools Mm -hmm. to cut through the noise and make confident decisions around her short and long-term health. Like she's just looking for guidance. She's looking for clarity. She's looking for experts and she's looking for just someone to help her, like not just tell her the information, but like shepherd her through. Right. So not only do we do, um, a really high performing, um, franchise for us is called ask an expert. And in our newsletter each week, we say, this is the expert who's coming in next week. Here are three questions you can ask, vote on the question you want her to answer. And then you can come back the next week and get the answer to the question. And this is across all sorts of different topic areas, categories. Sometimes it's about skincare. Sometimes it's about sleep. Sometimes it's about mental health. But the idea is that like, she just wants someone to tell her in like 200 words or less, Mm -hmm. like, what is the baseline information I need to know to deal with this problem? And we're finding so much engagement with this particular property because our audience is overwhelmed by exactly what we're talking about. Like yeah. so many people in this space claiming to be experts, so much misinformation, so much like appetite around like the trendiness of wellness content. It's yes. so ubiquitous. And they're like, oh, should I be doing that? Should I be doing that? Is that going to fix it? Is that going to fix it? Like they just want answers. And we are trying to provide that, like give her that information so she can make confident decisions and then also help with like, really like the annoying stuff on her to-do list. Like we are doing, uh, we're starting to launch this, um, franchise called skim scripts. That's just like 
here's how to help you deal with like a difficult conversation or like whatever we have. What are the, I have them written. I have them here. What are the um, ones that we have live already? We have one on how to appeal an insurance claim, how to track your medical correspondence, how to respond to medical (laughs) gaslighting when a professional like dismays or, or dismisses or downplays a medical issue. So we're just trying to give like very concrete help in this space. Um, both for long and short-term health concerns and like that to-do list stuff, because we just want her, we want to give her concrete help to overcome all of these barriers against us, against her, all of these stresses that are really weighing on her. Um, And so we're trying to do it in a way that's like, you know, there's like the goop wellness space. That's kind of like salacious, like can't look away. There's the TikTok space that feels really juicy, but like, there's a lot of Yes, circulating. There's like the healthline space that's like super straightforward and dry. We're trying to provide service, but we also like have like a fun casual approach, yes. like a, a no BS, like but it's realistic. Like just to yeah. I have, sorry if I'm like overusing that word, but I just feel like this is I, I've literally been waiting for this article my whole life, which is how to appeal a medical. <laughs> All right. I got it for you. I'm going to send you the link. Thank you. Thank you for writing this. I mean, I just feel like that's the type of thing that it's just real life based. It's not based on things that you would do if you were an aspirational TikTok wellness influencer. It's not things you would do if you were Gwyneth Paltrow and had her budget. It's just real information for real people. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And we, so one thing that I really love about the way we approach developing this category and really the way we approach developing all of our products at the skim is that we really listen to our audience and talk to her about like what her pain points were. And I know like you and I both, you know, I started at Condé Nast in my career. You were at good housekeeping. Like we come from a little bit in certain places like traditional media. And I think not those brands in particular, but like a lot of brands, a lot of media brands, I think 15 years ago, it was like, what is the vision of the editor? And like, how do we bring that to life? And I think now it's much more important to have a two-way dialogue with your audience, especially if you're a brand like the skim, that's like, we want to help. Like we want to help you get through the day. We want to help you make progress. We want to help you take agency. So we can't just be like, what, and what we think you need is and put it in front of her. Like we have to actually listen to her. So we have all these different ways of gathering information from our audience, whether that's insights gathering, with our existing audience, um, talking to external audiences, using user testing to like have people react to our actual products. Mm. And then we um, launched this study uh, in Q1 of 2023 called State of Women, which was with mm-hmm. Harris Poll. And we released a white paper. It was, um, we surveyed 4,500 women across you know our audience demographics. And we basically were like, what's the state of your life? Like, how you feeling? Mm. What's the state of your well-being? What's the state of your finances? What's the state of your relationships, et cetera? Just to get like a real temperature check on where she was. And what we found was that like women are in crisis, basically, yeah. and for all of the reasons that I just outlined earlier. I was going to say, oh, God. The number one word they used to describe themselves was stressed. Hmm. A majority of them said they couldn't remember the last time they felt relaxed. Hmm. A majority of them said they felt like they were the chief worry officer of their lives tasked with taking on the mental load of their households. Um, And in the wellness space specifically, like mental health was their number one concern, Mm. followed by sleep, followed by physical safety, which was really interesting to me. Wow, that's really interesting. And they're really concerned about the mental health of their friends. 
Um, they are feeling like there's a deluge of information that they don't really know to, where to go to get advice. They're actively looking for, and this came from some of our user testing, um, they want access to like direct access to experts. Yeah. They want a place where they can ask questions on like more taboo topics that aren't necessarily widely discussed. Yeah. And they feel like they don't have access to these things because they're like in a system where, I mean, a huge portion of them have dealt with medical gaslighting, have felt like they've received inadequate care from a medical professional. Um, they, in many cases don't have access to medical advice, medical services, whether that's because of where they live or whether that's because of their health insurance, et cetera, et cetera. And they just feel really alone and unsupported. So in a world where we are hearing from our audience that they feel they are the only advocate for their health and well-being, mm. we're like, okay, like, sure, we could try to help with the legislation. We could try to help with the systemic issues, but like we actually need to provide day-to-day -day functional support. And we also heard from our audience with our state of women's study is that like they want to prioritize their health and well-being. Mm -hmm. Something like 90% said that they're prioritizing their health, that they were going to do five or more things in the coming year to prioritize their health and well-being, that they're actively seeking new ways to prioritize like feeling better in all of these areas of their lives, but they don't necessarily know how. And they feel like they're overburdened, but nobody is helping to ease that burden. And they specifically said that they want brands, whether that is consumer brands, media brands, et cetera, to step up and help. And, you know, our, our mission at the skim has long been to like break down complicated stuff, help her move forward, take action, make decisions. And after hearing from our audience, both with our state of women's study and in all of these other avenues we have from gathering data, we're like, okay, like we know what direction we need to go. This isn't about like personal wellness essays and it's not about wellness inspo and it's not about like the other sort of fluffier, less concrete right. versions of wellness. It's about like, how can you help her today? Mm -hmm. And how can you help her to make long-term decisions for her health? Also, I realize, I don't know if you have this from working at women's magazines, but referring to your audience as her is such yes, a like, totally. <laughs> <laughs> what does like, she, she think? This. Right. What does mm -hmm. she think? I, I like find yes. myself in the habit of, of doing it in a way that like 100%. people are probably like, what are you talking about? A hundred percent. I was like, I, I, I can't remember. I cannot remember the name of the good housekeeping, like prototype, but I think it was. Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah. it's Jen with two N's, to be honest. <laughs> I just remember having that It's like thought. Jen like, is right. from the exactly. northern suburbs of Chicago. Uh, and she at Nordstrom. She loves Nordstrom. She is She is definitely a Midwestern major. girl. She majored in comms. Yep. She has, she stayed in, I think she probably went to Mizzou for, maybe she even went to Mizzou journalism school. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I know Jen. I know a lot of gems. You know I know a lot of gems. Right. Yeah. Totally. Um, no, it is. We have a lot of personas. Yes. We have like because our audience really span, like our yeah. audience is quite diverse politi politically, demographically, okay. et cetera. Um, so we have like, I think like 10 different personas. I can't remember all of oh their names. Gosh, but there's probably so a gen in there. There's gotta there's be a gen in there, but 10, I mean, 10 is really that's really impressive. I'm so into that because I love the fact that you have enough like that you guys, I mean, I know you have a huge readership, but I just, it's an amazing, it's an amazing concept to, to have enough data to really drive yeah. 
like to really drill into like what are the exact needs? What are the real needs of? of Yeah, it's real. I mean, yes, with an audience of our size and the daily skim is, you know, millions and millions of women every day. Um, You can't just, there's not just one, right? You know, there's so many and we're able to look at like, okay, what are the needs and pain points of this particular audience member and which of our products is like best equipped to serve her or this audience member is feeling really underserved in this space. Could we actually like make sure to target this particular audience with like, for example, in the wellness space, we know that women of color and particularly black women are underserved in that space are going through a disproportionate amount of issues with maternal um, health, with medical gaslighting, et cetera, et cetera. And so how can we make sure that we're specifically focusing on stories that speak to that community and sourcing experts from those communities, et cetera, et cetera. So it really lets us like looking at our audience as a bunch of different personas, as opposed to a monolith really helps us figure out like how to best serve each of those personas with our products and which products like could best fit into the lives and needs of certain women in our demographic. So do you find that like the, the read the newsletter, the daily skim reader is different from someone who follows you guys on Instagram is different from someone who is following you on threads is different from someone who is reading or listening to your podcast products. Mm -hmm. Like what, what are some of the, the, nuances and are like, like, can you, like, for example, is the person listening to your, one of your podcasts, like I am definitely someone who's much more interested in financial wellness. So I have to pick mm-hmm. we're creating content that really meets yeah. that or what, what are some of the differences? Yeah. So definitely, um, a little bit different by product. Um, I don't have like the specific demographic yeah. information in no, front of me, but, so interesting, um, you know, there, and there's definitely a lot of overlap between our products. Like a lot of people who listen or who read the daily skim came to learn about our skim money newsletter via the daily skim. And so there's that overlap audience there. Um, we also, you know, the daily skim people tend to be our longest tenured audience just because it's our oldest product. And there are a lot of like skim super fans in there, like people who are just like so hardcore attached to the brand really, um, feel an affinity for us. Um, and they're kind of a lot of our like super users, right? Like our people who are so committed, open every email, et cetera, et cetera. And then are going to go sign up for whatever new thing we're doing because they love it so much. And that's not to say that's all the daily skim audience, but there's a good chunk of daily skim audience. That's like that. Um, on our social channels, it's definitely a younger audience, obviously TikTok being the youngest audience. And we're very observant of the norms of that platform in a way that our audience, older audience members may not like super resonate with them. Um, but Instagram has a younger audience as well. Um, I believe our, as far as our email properties, I believe that skim money has both the youngest and most diverse audience, Mm -hmm. um, which is fantastic because we are obviously when it comes to some of the, um, financial pressures that women are under and the gender wealth gap and the gender information gap, et cetera, et cetera, those also disproportionately impact women of color. So the fact that we have um, a more diverse audience on that newsletter to me says like, we're we're doing the work um, to serve the audiences that need it most. Um, so yeah, it's different. There's a, there is a lot of overlap between products, but there are definitely like unique audiences who are like, oh, I don't subscribe to Daily Skim, but like, I need my five minute money tip every week. Or I need my nine to five-ish. Like I need to hear whatever really cool like founder, innovator, Carly and Daniel are talking to in that podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's an interesting, it's a really like, I love this audience so much. I have kind of been 
all around women's media. I was part of the team that launched Bustle 10 years ago. After that, I was at Time Inc. overseeing digital for like InStyle, Real Simple, Travel and Leisure. And then I was at Refinery29 for three years before coming to the skim. Mm. And I have never encountered an audience that has a relationship quite like this with a brand. Like they are so excited about us. They're loyal to us. They feel like they're part of our community. And we really have this incredibly unique ability to like activate them. Um, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me and Sonal on the call can probably provide them, but um, we did a get out the vote campaign, I think in 2016 with a bunch of different partners and the skim drove like multiples of how much everyone else drove to register to vote. We do election campaigns every year and the amount of actions that we drive, whether it's registering to vote, whether it's building your ballot, whether it's marking that you voted, et cetera, is like incredible. The way we're able to activate this audience because they trust us and they like see us as an important part of their lives. And then they're like, oh, the skim says that I should do that and go about that this way. Like, okay, I'm going to do it. We, We see it with our commerce too. We have invested in commerce a lot in the last year and like our conversions for commerce are crazy because we make recommendations and people trust them. And so- it's just really cool to see this audience that cares about this brand so much. And I also love that our audience really likes, they trust us so much that they love telling us about themselves. Like we sent out a survey. I forget what it was. We sent out a survey maybe six months ago as part of our show us your leave campaign, where we were asking people to share specifically like what kind of leave their companies offered, what interactions they'd had with corporate about um, their paid leave how they felt going back to work so soon after having a kid, et cetera. And like the the number of responses that flooded in was just insane, telling really personal details about their lives and circumstances yeah. because they trust us. It's really cool. Like it's, it's, I've, I've never worked for a brand that has this relationship with their audience and it's so cool. And it also, like I said, allows us to get so much information that then allows us to build products that really serve them. Like if they hadn't told us so much about themselves through state of women or all these other places, we wouldn't know as much. And therefore we couldn't create a a successful product as Skimwell is, you know, revealing itself to be because we're hearing directly from them. And I think that's so cool. It's so interesting. I feel like I should have been like in the insights department in another life. I just find it so interesting. I really can't get enough. I'm with you. I can't get enough of any data insight that there is to be had anywhere. I'm like, yes, please share it with me. Tell me Mm -hmm. that I love learning about that stuff too. So I'm with you on that. I wonder what you think that can be attributed to if, if there's any one thing, I mean, I'm sure there's probably plenty, but I just, and I, and I, I would imagine there's definitely more than one answer, but also Mm -hmm it's really a shot in the dark, but I'd love to hear your take on that because it is really unique. Yeah, it is really unique. I think that it's a lot of things. I think that like, we just have always created a product that's very trustworthy. So I don't think our audience has ever had to be concerned about like, if we're shooting her straight. Right. Um, I think that starting as an email product that did two, I think the daily skim did two things it really identified a hole in the market. So I think that when, um, you know, a person is like, I really need this thing. And then it appears and like solves the exact problem she has, which is at this point, like for that reader, didn't feel like there were any news outlets that were really like breaking down news in a way that spoke specifically to women was speaking specifically to this demographic and maybe broader news issues, but also specifically issues that, um, 
pertain to her in her life that maybe were undercovered um, in other places. So I think that creates a lot of trust of like, oh, I had this need and you filled it and you had this very specific purpose in my life. Um, I also think that starting with a newsletter product is really um, important because a lot of the brands I came from previously, it was really about like getting someone to either find your article via Google because you had really good SEO (laughs) or like getting them to stop scrolling on Facebook when Facebook was a big source of um, traffic with like the best headline to get them to click. Like you had to kind of you didn't have that direct relationship with your audience, right? It was just like, did they find me on Twitter and did I get them to stop for a second to click through? It wasn't like, oh, this is coming into my inbox. It's part of my daily routine. It's how I start my day and feel like I'm prepared for like whatever conversations might come that day. Like it's just a very different relationship. And so I think that the... um I think the combination of those things, like being in her inbox, being part of her daily routine and really serving a need that she had and doing it so in a way that has been consistently trustworthy for 11 years now, it's a different dynamic than, you know, a brand that you happen to follow on social or that you sometimes click on their article because it comes up in Twitter. Like it's just different. Like we're actually trying to serve a daily need in her life with the daily skim and now with our other products um, in a way that a lot of other brands just don't necessarily do. Like I'm not a super fan of many brands anymore. Yeah. Like there are a couple things where I'm like, of, I'll read anything they write. This, as you're saying this, I'm like, I can think of like maybe one or two mm-hmm. sources or like aggregators that I would go to. But other than that, yeah. I, like, I've been thinking about totally. that the whole time. Like, who do I trust? Who do I, yeah. I like for me, it's like, I'll, I want to know exactly what Emily Oster has to say. Same. Yes. And literally would trust her. I would follow her probably into a fire. Maybe I'd follow her. I'm like, should I just ask if I can be her like comms director or something? I I totally agree. Um, And then the New York magazine suite of products, I just like am diehard about. And then like, other than that, like, yeah, there's certainly a few social accounts like in the social space where I'm like, oh, I really want to know what they're going to say next. But it's not, you know, we don't have like affinity and trust for like, and really like feel like we have relationships with brands. And I feel like skim readers feel like they have a relationship with the skim and they show that to us. Like they give us so much info. It's so juicy. I love it. I love it. It's really so good. It's so good. What, what is something like, give us a topic. If you feel comfortable, Uh, give us a topic that is something that came up that was direct from a reader. They Mm -hmm. like, I'm surprised about this, but I'm noticing it more. It's a weird way of asking that. So, um, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah, I can't. I, so what comes to mind is actually less of a like coverage topic and more of like a theme in that as part of our state of women's study, a lot of it was like the results were depressing. Like our audience is in crisis, but one thing that I, um, found, really exciting and motivating and also kind of changed the way that I am looking at like this generation of women, millennial women, you know, and fringes on either side Mm -hmm. of which I'm a part, um, the lower fringe of millennial. No, just kidding. (laughs) The close to Gen Z, the cuspy Gen Z part. The cuspy Gen Z. No, I turned 40 last week. I'm like, right. You know, but it felt good. Happy birthday. I feel great about it. Um, anyway, so what we were noticing is that we got a lot of like testimonials. So we had just sort of the like answer the question, vote on the thing, what rate this one to 10, whatever. But we also had like moments where they could put in um, their specific, like something about their specific experience. And we heard so much from our audience that like they were 
doing, they were like making big, brave changes in their lives. Like they weren't letting themselves be scared or brought down by the fact that a lot of things are working against them right now, whether that is fallout from the pandemic, whether that is the gender wealth gap, whether that is, you know, rollback of reproductive rights. They were really like, we heard from so many people that were like, well, I lost my job. And then I just started to turn my passion project into a full-time job. And now I make twice as much money or like I set X, Y, and Z boundaries with my boss. And now I have a much better work-life balance and I'm properly compensated. Or my favorite one was a woman who said, and I feel like I'm swearing a lot on this podcast. No, please. Like, Wait, yeah. This is a very um, podcast, but there was <laughs> one woman who said, um, one woman who was like, bitch, I got divorced and it was the best decision I ever made. I have a new partner. I have an awesome dog. Like I was, I, there were so many audience members who were just like doing cool shit and like using this as an inflection point rather than a point to be dragged down. Also for the people who feel dragged down by this moment in time, like I get it. I'm one of those people sometimes too, but I was really inspired by the people who were like, yeah, I'm not like, I'm taking ownership over my life. And that, that was something that was really, really cool to say. I also think yeah, too, um, I love like I was, that. like I was saying before, I was having a conversation with our editor in chief, Niven McCallmaza, who's yeah. just a powerhouse last week. Um, we were looking through some of the results from the state of women study. And like I said, the top three issues were mental health, sleep, and physical safety. And the physical safety point, like she and I were talking about this. We were like, this is something that women think about all the time, but we don't really talk about the fact that we think about it all the time, but actually it clearly is weighing so heavily on our readers' minds, like stuff like that, where I'm like, oh, of course she's thinking about that a lot. And like, what can we do to approach that? Um, So yeah, I mean, so many, so many tidbits, either like her general attitude towards the world or like this particular topic kind of thing. Fascinating. I think that's fascinating. First of all, not to trivialize that at all, because obviously physical safety is like <laughs> priority number one, just mm-hmm. about, but, um, but I mean, it does sort of remind me of that, of that digital, that social media trend of, of Roman empire, right? Like the, yeah. the women's Roman empire yes. really physical safety. Yes. Um, but I also wonder if it's, if it's crime related, you know, like for, for women living in cities, if that has mm-hmm. bubbled up more and more related to crime. I mean, I, yeah, like I'm thinking about my physical safety more being in New York. Than yeah. I'm it's definitely different than it was. Ago, yeah. You know, yeah. um, it's a good question. Just not a good thing, but anyway. All right. So because I only have you for so much longer, mm-hmm. I have to ask this, this, well, first of all, besides your, the relationship with your audience that I think is mm-hmm. and fantastic. I just wanted to hear from you just based on your background and experience working in so many different women's magazines. What do you think is the most unique thing about this, this moment in time producing Mm -hmm. content for women? Is there something particularly unique about right now? Mm -hmm. Um, yes, I think there's so many unique things. I think there's unique, bad and unique good. Yeah. Yes. Um, Give us both. Give us both. I think that what is uniquely bad <laughs> is that all of our attention spans are like completely shot, right? <laughs> yeah. Like we and are, so, and I find this in myself, yes. like we are so used to being like, oh, this TikTok is more than 30 seconds long. Like mm, I find I myself like that. doing that scroll bar thing. Yes, exactly. Getting, and I'm and like, I, I hate myself. Julie, you used right. to sit through commercials yes. to like, <laughs> 
watch like, read long articles. an hour and like 20 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. Like, why can't you get through totally. this TikTok? Totally. Like our, our brains are so yes. warped. And I think that that makes it um, a lot harder to like deliver good comprehensive information. And that's too, like, I love long form. Like I'm a long form article, like reader. I, my favorite thing to do is like settle down with like tens of thousands of words. There's just much less room for the creation of that kind of content. Like there are fewer outlets for putting it out in the world. Cause like a lot of that used to go through Facebook or Twitter. Like those have very much, those platforms have changed a lot. Um, so I think that there's like less room for sharing information that's like comprehensive, has nuance, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I really miss nuance. I, I just have to interrupt you and say that. I'm just sure you do. When I watch really your TikToks, like I can that. see you, I can see your, your captioning being like, that's kind of true, but like what I just said is 20% sort of not true. Right, and like, exactly. can you like, like nuance is important, especially in, you know, medical fields like yours. Totally. Um, I think that the good thing is that there really is a move towards like building a relationship with your audience in a way that there wasn't for a long time in the like 2013 to 2018 internet, where it was, like I said, just kind of trying to get them to stop in their tracks as they're scrolling on Facebook, scrolling on search, whatever, like that, like mass scale, like play and that, um, approach towards just like trying to have that kind of like drive by audience, like with your reader is behind us in a way that is a huge relief, frankly, because a lot of that was just about like churn out as much content as you can to try to get somebody to stop and and listen to it and read it. And now I think it's much more about like, what is your actual relationship with your reader? What did they want from you? Who is your reader? Learn about your reader. Um, and what need are you filling in their, their life? How are you creating community with them? Um, it's just a much more like, I think, um, satisfying relationship to build with an audience. Um, but that said, you know, then the way to do that is often through these really tiny bite-sized pieces of content that like can be amazing to produce. And there are some TikToks out there that are works of art. Um, but I do wish there was more room to do that in like a more like nuanced long form way. That said, I like welcome the shift towards like building community with a specific audience, not just trying to like appeal to the entire internet. Yes. No, I mean, it's something I, it's, I think about this all the time, Julie. I really like, I, it's something that really plagues me because I will even, I find myself trying to cover something, even if it's in video format or short form video format where I'm like, I really wanted this to be 30 seconds, but it yeah. seems that it's 10 fucking minutes. And right. Like, and it's like, it's, but, but it's like, it's worth right. 10 minutes of your time. And people are like, I don't care. Right. I could watch. I could watch 20 TikToks in 10 minutes. Exactly. And then I think like, this is the gift of podcasting, right? Because I, my personal experience with media was that I just found myself, especially after I, my book came out in 2019, I feel, I felt like I was permanently in this position, like just like the crap, like the, the full crouch in front yep. of the computer being like, I, yes. I literally, I, I felt like I was just going to get stuck like that. Like it's, yeah. it's kind of a gift to be able to have multiple different types of platforms in order yes. to do things in a slightly different way to just kind of 
even just to kill that burnout a little bit. Yeah, totally. Oh gosh, I'm sure. And I'm sure podcasts feel, I mean, that must be such a different content creation experience for you as a creator. And yes. And I think this is really interesting because podcasts are actually long form, but like podcasts are actually my favorite form. Yes. Like I am a junkie. Because people like us can, we don't have to sit and, and be in the crouch. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I like put it on and then I like do other stuff. I move around I drive. Um, but it's really interesting to me that like the rise of like short form vertical video has kind of coincided with the rise of podcasting because they're two totally different mediums. It is. And I feel like people have like a pretty healthy balance of both, but yeah, that's really interesting and strange, but I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for the explosion, maybe over explosion. I mean, it's a too crowded space, but, um, (laughs) they're all too crowded spaces. All media is too crowded. Somebody needs to like, I don't know, create something new and be the only one doing it. Well, that's okay. Cause we're just going to go to the skim. That's what we really need to be doing is going to the skim to get more. I couldn't agree more. Yes. <laughs> this is exactly really what I wanted out of this podcast. We're going to, we're going to, uh, we're going to clip that. We're going to run exactly. it on our channels. A hundred percent. All right. So before, before I let you go, my last question for everyone who comes on mm-hmm. here, or you know this already, but it's my favorite question. Mm-hmm. I get such amazing answers every time. And I know yours is going to be phenomenal, which is the most annoying thing that you have seen recently this year at all on the internet about wellness is what? <laughs> um, You mean aside from people literally drinking borax? I, I mean, um, feel like that. I think that you mentioned that I, I for, almost forgot about it. And I think I forgot <laughs> about it largely because I blocked it. You blocked it out. I um, I would I say, to. and this is something that like is not just this year, but I feel like especially started with COVID or at least um, accelerated around COVID is like, and this isn't necessarily like in the media space, but it's also in the like non-media people out in the world space. I've been doing my own research. Oh my God. That's a great one. Like, no, Such a great one. like don't do your own research. Like let <laughs> vetted professionals do the research and then tell you what the answer is. Like, don't do your own. You're not trained to do that. It's so funny you say this because in, I think it, that's such a great answer. It's such a great point on one hand, like for, for, for the most part. Right. And then I think to myself, like there are, there have definitely been times where I have like in the course of an article, in the course of a podcast or whatever, I will say something like, it's really important to do some of your own research, you know, like, let's like, yeah, like but that's different. Advice, I mean, like, right. Yeah. I guess like it is. No, you're right. But, but it's like, totally do your own right research yes. from vetted medical professionals, Completely not agree. from like the bowels of Completely TikTok. Agree. It's so funny. It's, it just, it makes me laugh because it's also like how I feel about my own use of the phrase processed food. Right. Which is like, I find myself using it a lot as shorthand because uh-huh. people in my general circle, socioeconomic, like every demographic, like will sort of understand what I'm getting at by that. But at the same time, like my coffee grounds are processed, like the, the fruit that that comes out of the peel, like that's also, that's processing. I just processed my banana by taking the peel off. It's really hard to actually make that, Uh but it's so funny because I completely agree The do your own research thing. It drives me nuts. Yes. But But you're right. Like when you're telling people on TikTok, don't just do what this (laughs) random influencer said, like do your own research. You're right. But it's like, do your own research, but like from the right people and the right sources. sources. Thousand percent. 
Yeah. Julie, where can people find you learn more about you learn more about the skim where, where can people go next? Um, yes, go to the skim.com, follow the skim on TikTok, on Instagram, on threads. Um, me personally, I'm, uh, my Instagram is at Julie Alvin. I'm private. Cause I've gotten cagey about like being a yes. public person out in the world, but like, I'll accept you if you request. <laughs> I will accept. I, I just right now. I just don't want it to be a free for all. I used to go oh, regularly really? on Fox News as yes. a political commentator. Um, I love that. Uh, Good uh, for you. I love it, that. Yeah. And and I got a lot of trolls because most of the, re- yes. the listenership, the viewership of- at Fox News, did not <laughs> agree with me. And so that. I had a lot of like people following me who I didn't want them in my world. So I've gotten a little go um, private. more yeah. private. But if your listeners request, I will. I will accept. That's beautiful. But we're all going right now. Julie. Thank oh, you also so I forgot. Uh, subscribe to nine to five ish, which is oh, our yes. podcast. Um, maybe more from coming from us in the, in the audio space. Um, but yeah, we're all over the place. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. This was great. Thanks so much for listening to The Business of Wellness. I'm your host and executive producer, Jacqueline London. Remember that advice provided on this podcast is based on my application of research and practice as a registered dietitian and should not replace medical advice provided by your physician. If you like what you're listening to, please follow the show, leave a five-star rating, and share something you love from today's episode by leaving a review. This podcast only grows with your support. So if you enjoyed this episode, share it far and wide. It may be the one thing someone needs to hear to start building that roadmap today to secure a healthier, happier future. That's it for now. So until next time, cheers.